Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. <laughs> Welcome to the Over the Monster podcast, the first Over the Monster podcast of 2023, not the first podcast on the Over the Monster podcast feed of 2023, but the first one with myself, Brian Joyner, and site manager, Dan Secatore. Dan, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year. Um, I didn't realize this was our first until you just said it, and it's already January 12th. The pot on Lansdowne guys have already done two this year. They are well, they are two hundred percent out hustling us. Yeah, they're younger, and there's three of them. That's true. It is it is easier for them. They can pot, they can just pot all night. You and I, you and I have a hard cap of when we fall asleep on the couch. That's right. We we know our value. So as a luxury good, we. <laughs> present ourselves as something that you cannot get all the time you must take it when you can the big news since we last spoke is not the Raphael devers extension because you and i did speak about that on jake's pod yeah the last pod we did on the red seat was such a joyous podcast brian and now it's a different (laughs) tale it is exactly one week later, and already things have gone to shit. It is a different saga. Is it? A, it is a different narrative. It is a different story. 
Oh, That's wow. True. He has one of the most punnable names in the history of baseball. He does. I didn't see that coming. Was this just because I retweeted your unlikely story tweet from the main account? <laughs> now you're just now you're just deep into the story puns. Hey, I got like three followers out of that. So Did you I'll really? take it. Okay. Right. Real ones too. Real ones. Real ones, not Russian bots. Trevor Story has torn his MCL. Is that correct? UCL. UCL. Ulterior, cruciate, uh, midterior, or whatever MCL would stand for. Probably not midterior. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a doctor. And he is out until the middle of the summer at the earliest. Does that sound right? That sounds right. It's uh, it, it's you know this 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 is really confusing. The fact that we don't have more clarity on this. I mean, I guess on the one hand, the the treatment that he's going to be getting that the brace surgery is relatively novel. Um, but it is bizarre that we, you know, we, we initially heard four to six months, which would be June. Uh, Bloom is giving some indications that he might not come back at all. There are some doctors who've performed this surgery saying that it's more of six to nine months, which means it would not come back at all. Um, but having said that too, you know, what I don't get is, you know, this is supposedly Tommy John light. But even we saw, like when Otani got Tommy John, he was able to return to a DH role, you know, just about six months later. He obviously, you know, he missed an entire year on the mound, but he's able to DH. Why? Why isn't anyone even talking about that with respect to Story right now? That even if, um, you know, even if he doesn't have full arm strength until June or August or September, or if he doesn't have full arm strength in 2023 at all it seems like he still should be able to hit, no? Well, he would have to DH, wouldn't he? And and that... And that's all... fine. He'll be a, he'd be a better DH than, than Justin Turner will be. I disagree with that. But that's not important. Your first mistake is... Justin Turner hit 13 home runs last year. <laughs> 13. How many did he hit? And he's 38 years old. From July to september uh, look he was outstanding in the second half of last season but uh, look it, it, for as good as he was in the second half of the last of, of last year and he was absolutely all-star caliber from july on but from april through july he looked like he was absolutely toast and so if we're projecting him going forward knowing that he's 38 years old which Justin Turner do we think we're more likely to get next year? The one who's absolutely toast or the one who is an all-star? I mean, the answer, the boring answer is probably it'll be something in between. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like Justin Turner. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a, it, it's a fine move. At best, it's a lateral move from JD. I mean, sure, he can play in the field and that, and that it, there's a lot of value to that. So I don't want to, I don't want to be dismissive of that. But at the plate, at best, it's a lateral move from JD, and and he it could be a disaster. He could be totally cooked next year. He really, really could. That happens. It happens to every single ball, every single ball player. Certainly happens to thirty eight year old ball players, and it looked like it maybe had last year already. So I'm not. If we get a good season out of Justin Turner, I'll I'll be thrilled. But I'm not expecting that. I'm not looking at Justin Turner and being like, all right, cool. We have our everyday DH situation sorted out. 
So I would absolutely take if, if Trevor's story, if he can start hitting in June, but he can't throw, I, I would say, yeah, put put story, make story the everyday DH. Turn Justin Turner into Tristan Casas' his balloon platoon partner and Rafael Devers, you know, substitute when we want to give you know give Devers give Devers a blow and and you know let Trevor Story who at this point has more power and is and, and also you know he's also the best base runner on the Red Sox too. He's our, he's the only speed well I was going to say he's the only speed threat in the starting lineup as of today. Jaron Duran is in the starting lineup, so that's not exactly true. Um, but assuming that Jaron Duran doesn't end up playing every day for the Red Sox, Trevor Story is the only speed threat right now on the team. Um, so if Trevor Story can DH, I think they they would have to do it. But we don't know. This is such a uh, – this is – what we know about this injury so far is, is so bizarre. Could be back at the by Memorial Day or could miss the entire year. It's funny that you said all-star because I was going to make the case that – now, first of all, one mistake we make or knowing mistake in shorthand we use for the baseball season is to call before and after the all-star break, the first half and the second half. They're not halves because the first quote half is longer. So post all-star break is not as long. However, it's probably about as long as it takes to set the all-star players in the first half. And that's just based on the first half. So my point being, if we could choose an all-star team after that amount of games, I would, I'm fine assigning, not, not looking at the worst case scenario for Justin Turner, because the most recent thing would have gotten him on an all-star team. And I got to say, I disagree with you that story would be a better hitter than Turner. The numbers are frankly straightforward that Turner was a much better hitter in aggregate last year. So unless you really believe he's going to start the same way, I wouldn't necessarily agree. And I also just wouldn't yeah. compare anyone to Otani because he's not a human being. And that's not fair enough. Fair, fair enough. And, and yes, fair and yes you're, yeah, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, across the board, Justin Turner was a better overall hitter than, than Trevor Story last year. And Trevor Story has been trending down for the last several years offensively. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, you're right. This is just entirely based on my fear that Justin Turner may completely flop next year. So you're right. I guess it... we don't need to, we don't need to plan on story being the DH yet. Um, because Turner may end up being a better option, but I, I think there's, I, I don't, there's I don't I'm not a gambler. I don't want to put odds on it, but it could Justin like, it's a very real possibility that Justin Turner is completely cooked. That's totally eight years old is old. I think even in the case that he doesn't uh, fall off a cliff, there is value to having story around for the reasons you say, Uh, especially base running. And since we're paying the guy, it'd be great to have him do something. Well, we are not paying him. I also have to ask you a question. If there's TJ light, is there, is there an equivalent of like TJ zero? TJ Zero is um that must be what Masahiro Tanaka figured out when he kept just being like, No, I'm fine. Everyone kept saying, You need Tommy John, you need Tommy John. He was like, I'll just I don't know what he did. I'll I'll just soft toss for a couple of months and just he he ended up putting it off for his entire career. I don't know what his secret was. 
Neither do I. And um, this, I think, this isn't, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I think it's sort of natural to talk about the press conference for Raphael Devers because Bloom and Tom Werner, of all people, were out there talking about the future of the team and how they think this is a bellwether contract going forward, which obviously it's a it's the biggest contract, so it's a big deal. But I sort of felt like that elided the story injury and just the story contract in general and everything else they've done. It seemed like they presented it such as, hey, we did this, so obviously we want to win. Whereas I think this is one piece of a larger puzzle. And I don't think it alone signals that the organization is on the right track. Doesn't signal it. It it definitely is better than the opposite, but there are many teams and the Red Sox are not doing this, but there are many teams that have signed huge contracts, see a rod. And then that was supposed to be a beacon of positivity and showing where the team is going. And instead it was a, um, it was a millstone. Now this isn't that obviously I like this contract, very happy about it, but in general, what did you think of the press conference yesterday? And I mean, talking about outside of the platitudes about Devers and the story about the, I don't care about what you had to do. All you needed to do to sign, to get this contract done was to offer it to him. As far as I'm concerned, I don't, again, I I've talked about this before. All these contracts are basically the same. Carlos Correa can tell you he's gotten two and a half of them in a month and a half. What do you think about what the team brass said, or at least the team brass that was present said mm-hmm. about uh, the direction the Sox are headed at the Devers press conference? Well, So I feel like this is a leading question. I I feel like you have something one of these guys said in mind specifically. I mean, was it that? I mean, I guess the the thing the thing that sticks out in my mind is is Bloom saying, you know, I hope I hope this clarifies to the fans that we have a vision going forward. Um you know, of how we plan to win going forward, um, you know, which, yes, signing a 26-year-old all-star who has the potential to be one of the top five hitters in all of baseball, as he was for the first three months of last season, um, yeah, of course, that's of course that's a, a an important component of building a team going forward. Um it, it doesn't necessarily satiate a lot of fans' concerns because to relitigate this again, that's what Mookie Betts was three years ago, four years ago, I guess, at this point. Now that's 20, no, 2023. Um, and, you know, so it's, it, it, if, if it's a good move, to sign Rafael Devers going forward, uh, then it was should have been a good move to do it with Mookie Betts too, with the only difference being the farm system rankings, the farm system rankings. Um, 
you know, that that's that's what everyone points to when they defend the deal and they say that, well, that you know, the Red Sox just didn't have anyone coming up to supplement the big money deals, um, you know, that 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 we would have needed um with Mookie Betts on the team. And they say that, well, they do have they do have the stuff coming up now. Uh, I mean, that ignores the fact that Mookie Betts is still an elite player <laughs> right now, as as Tristan Casas and Brian Bayo are coming up. Um, and and is likely to continue to be elite for the next four or five years and still would make this vision of the team going forward even better. Um, so, you know, that that statement in and of itself where, um, you know, they say, I hope this clarifies our vision for the future. I don't think it necessarily does other than to say that, yeah, you want to have good players in the future and, and we got one and, and he's locked up now. Um, now, with respect to one other thing, they kept insisting again that, you know, they're competing for championships. Look, I, I fully believe that the Red Sox are trying to win. But they are absolutely not trying to win the World Series in 2023, nor were they trying in 2022, nor, frankly, were they trying in 2021 when everything just came together wonderfully and, and a team um, overachieved and, and nabbed a wild card and, and damn near went to the World Series. It's the, the strategy is very, very clear and obvious at this point. They are looking at the window as not starting until probably 2025, realistically. Uh, and, and you know what? That's just come out and say that if that's the case. The idea that they keep insisting that they're trying to win championships while not really doing much to improve the roster. I mean, we can quibble about whether the 2023 team is improved or not. Everyone wants to point to the bullpen being improved, and I, I, I'm a big fan of the Chris Martin and Kenley Jansen signings. Um, but with respect to the bullpen, one, the number one rule about relief or about relief pitchers is don't ever trust a relief pitcher. You know, unless it's Mariano Rivera, you just you can't count on any of these guys maintaining consistency from year to year. That's why they're relief pitchers in the first place. Matt Barnes says hello. Um, so, you know, I love the Chris Martin and Kenley Jansen signings, but we're also taking Garrett Whitlock out of last year's bullpen, a move I fully support. If you're Garrett Whitlock and if you're capable of, of being a mid-rotation starter, if not better, then you need to be in the starting rotation instead of the back end of the bullpen. Um, but we need to take that into account when we talk about, well, the bullpen's better, the bullpen's better. Um, and then, you know, across the board, it's, it's funny. I remember – that the first pot I did uh, for Over the Monster, I did a precap with Keaton. And it was a couple of weeks after the trade deadline. Uh, it, it was in the middle of Reese McGuire's hot stretch. And I said to Keaton, I said, hey, Keaton, are Reese McGuire and Connor Wong going to be the primary catching options for the Red Sox next year? And he said, no, no chance. He said, no, that's not going to happen. They, like, they've, Of course they will find somebody to upgrade this position. Well, they didn't. They made no effort to find somebody to upgrade that position. Um, and sure, Connor Wong and Reese McGuire both looked pretty good down the stretch last season. But Reese McGuire is what he is at this point. He, you know, he he's a he is a career backup uh glove first catcher. He is not gonna be an impact bat. Connor Wong still projects to be a backup catcher as well. They didn't make any attempt to improve the catching situation. They didn't make any attempts to replace Sander Bogarts, and now they need to replace Trevor Story as well. 
this team, look, there are a lot of things that can go right with this team. There really are, you know, for all of, for as frustrating as last year was offensively, it was still a strong team. They were close to the top of the league in a lot of very important offensive categories. And I think they probably will be there again, even with the departure of Bogarts. I think, you know, Yoshida has a very good chance of coming pretty close to matching Bogarts' offensive production. He could be a star. He could be a star. And if Casas develops the way we think and hope he will, he's an obvious improvement over Bobby Dalbuck and Franchi Cordero. If Kike Hernandez can stay healthy, he's an obvious improvement over Jaron Duran. Um, so, you know, it's possible that offensively this team sort of maintains relatively the, the, the same level of production that they had last year, which means that if they get anything out of Chris Sale – and I think they will. I know you disagree with me, but I think Chris Sale can can pitch 20 starts this year. Uh, and I think, you know, he, I mean, he hasn't really thrown a ball in two years. I think he can pitch 20 starts as an effective all-star caliber pitcher. If they get anything from Chris Sale, if Bayo develops nicely, if Whitlock makes the transition to the rotation nicely, then yeah, maybe this team is better in 2023. But it's certainly not a championship roster. And they made no attempt to make it into a championship roster. And that can is arguably a defensible strategy. If you think you just don't have the horses right now and you want to wait and not mortgage the future, that's a defensible strategy. But they keep coming out and saying we intend to compete for championships this year. And it's just plainly not the case. Well, that's a lot, and I have a lot of notes, but I'll start with the, of course, we're trying to win comment, which reminds me of the NFL's final regular season weekend was uh, last week, and the Houston Texans, all they had to do was lose and get up the number one overall draft pick, and they could really use it. The administration can want a team to lose, but the players are never going to especially in the NFL, but over the long haul in Major League Baseball, of course, as well. The players are always going to try to win. That's what they do. So there's a little moving the ball rather well, we're always trying to win. Who's we? Yeah, the players are trying to win. Getting to the Mookie Betts part of it. He said, oh, we couldn't sign Mookie Betts now because we didn't have a farm system. What did the trade do to improve the farm system? Right, Nothing. Right. They, if they if Nothing. they had chosen not exactly, if they wanted to trade Mookie Betts in order to replenish the farm system, then you don't attach the David Price contract to it. If, on the other hand, you just want to get rid of the David Price contract, you don't attach him to a generational superstar. So, I mean, we don't need to talk about this again, but. This team, you know, Heim Bloom talking about the, the clarity of vision for the future. The future would still be a lot does, I mean, right if Mookie Betts were on the team. The only way it, it actually doesn't clarify it, it because it makes it the way they're presenting it is in one sense, he's correct that it clarifies that. On the time horizon of for how long the Devers deal is going to pay off, which I think is for a long time, but that they expect to win within 11 years, which isn't saying anything at all. 
I think we can be more generous to them than that. I think we can. I'd say five. Saying within the five, yeah, yeah, before he turns thirty. Right. So it clarifies the vision in that way, but given how reactive it seemed at the time, and I've found over the long haul, the instant reactions surmising why a deal went down are usually right. And it seems so reactive that I guess it clarifies that there is a time horizon. It's just not a particularly reassuring one. Also, I understand the bets deal in principle if they thought they couldn't compete. But as you said, every year, they said it before 2020, John Henry said it. Every year they say, yeah, we want to compete. Show us, show it. Don't tell us. Are they, do you think they're just so spooked by what I don't, and I can't even remember what season this was, but there was, you know, one of the, 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 the bridge year season, which is as far as I could tell was when the term bridge year was coined, when Theo coined it, this must've been, this must've been in the post 2007 era, I guess, where there, was he thinking of bridging towards the 2011 team towards like the Jacoby Ellsbury um, John Lester, Clay Buckholtz core. I don't know what it was, but you know, he said bridge year and, and fans and media kind of unfairly really stuck to that and hammered them with that. So I don't know if they're just so spooked by that experience that they can never admit again, that they're not going all out to win a world series, but they're not going all out to win the 2023 world series. And you can defend that. Uh, based on based on last year's team, you can defend that if you want to. You can't defend it based on where they were when this front office started in 2019, but you can defend it based on where they ended up last year. And yet they just won't come out and say it. I think that's the simplest explanation. And they have to pick their poison in some way. They have to pick their poison of people complaining that they're not trying to win or people like us complaining that they're not telling the truth. And they've decided we are the lesser of two evils. Yeah. But, but how could, but still everyone's just going to look at the team in the field and see a team that's probably going to be in. I mean, unless, unless a really unexpected hot start, unless we see that right out of the gate, this team's not going to be good in the first half of next season. It's not. Uh, I also would like to take issue with everyone saying the Sox will be in last place. Let's. It's going to be fourth place, guys. Well, I, I actually want, agree with you. I agree we, with you. We want the I Orioles am not an Orioles to be believer. a thing, but come on. Come yeah. on. No, I, I am not an Orioles believer. Uh, Orioles fans, they should be really pissed because this is a young core that's ready to play now. And the only piece that's missing right now is is the starting rotation. They've got a number of of promising pitchers coming up as well. But like, God, I mean, going after Verlander would have been perfect for them. Perfect for them to to follow up on last year's surprisingly fun season to add Justin Verlander on a short term deal that's not going to cripple you long term at all. A short term deal to act as a mentor to young pitchers coming up, 
to act as a, a bridge <laughs> to, because because a number of their top pitching prospects aren't going to break camp. Uh, they're not ready to, to start the season with them this year. Um, my God, like that would have been a perfect move for them, and they just made no effort at all to improve the team. They really are just waiting it out one more year. I would be absolutely pissed if I were an Orioles fan. Um, but yeah, to your point, I, I they do get John Means back this year, and they will graduate some of their top pitching prospects in the 2023 season. But I still don't really believe in the rotation, and I think I do think the Sox will will finish better than them this year. I don't think Justin Verlander was ever going to sign with the Orioles. <laughs> you don't think so? No, no. I mean, but I sure. Obviously, look if he's getting the same choice between the Mets and the Orioles, he's going to the Mets. Obviously, but, but it's the Steve fact that Cohen didn't have to be Steve Verlander. Cohen would never make it the same choice. It could be any. Steve Cohen wasn't allowed. But if it, if it's not Verlander, you know they still they still could have gotten one of these guys. Uh, you know they all ended up signing for none of them signed for ten year deals. You know, none of these pitchers signed for deals that, you know, are really ever going to look ugly. I mean, sure, some of them might get hurt and they might not be the most productive contracts you'd hope for, but they're not going to be crippling deals for a team like the Orioles. And they made someone no like, effort whatsoever. Someone like Charlie Morton, you know. Um, anyhow, enough about the uh, Orioles. But except for I will say, I do think they have the rare pitching prospect who I believe will – seamlessly uh, adapt to the pro game in Grayson Rodriguez. He seems even among good pitching prospects, he seems to be a tier above most people. So that's, but he's still going to be a rookie and it's, they're not going to finish ahead of the Red Sox. And if they do schadenfreude for, for us. So we win either way. <laughs> so that's the Should we talk about re- Jeff. Should we talk about any any Trevor Story replacement possibilities, or is it too depressing? <laughs> I just assume it's going to be Jose Iglesias until yeah. until I hear. Well, there's ones. there's been there's been chatter about a Hassan Kim trade, and it really love does that. make sense. I, love I, that. I would. Oh my god, I would love that elite defender, right-handed pull hitter, who I think could benefit by playing in Fenway. Um, you know, people are worried about his bat. He's still—he's only twenty-seven years old, and he's in his second year in the major leagues. Like it's a—it's a transition. I see no reason why he won't keep improving with at the plate over the next two or three years. Um, third third year in the majors, I think. I think. It will be his third year. He's only played right. Yes, yeah. And his I first year is all him, over the diamond. I think I mentioned you know, him as a trade target uh, early in the off season. But I, I, that would be great. And we trade with the Padres all the time. So, yeah. The question is, I mean, it's the only, the only, the only player that Red Sox fans float in any trade proposals, Tanner Houck. <laughs> and and yeah, I would absolutely make that deal in a second because I think most people don't believe in Tanner Houck as a starter over the long term. And even if he can be an elite bullpen arm which he probably which he absolutely can be an elite bullpen arm you take a starting shortstop over over an elite bullpen arm any day um but the question is are the padres going to be interested in i mean the padres know that he's probably not a long-term starter too so the question is they traded for hater i I think that deal makes sense on a lot of levels you think so i think i think they want they want starting pitching yeah no you're right but they need starting pitching I think I think they might they might do it for Whitlock. 
I don't like that. I don't like because that Because as That's we said, <laughs> as we said, the Red Sox aren't actually trying to win the World Series this year. So I don't like that because while we'd have Hassan Kim, if they can pay Jose Iglesias pennies and if yeah. – this uh, is this is the problem with trades, and this is why we kind of don't. I mean, we the 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 blockbuster trade has pretty much disappeared from baseball for over the last five years. Uh, you know, compared to compared to the blockbusters we used to see every offseason in the '90s, it's disappeared because everyone from the front office down to the fans just is too afraid to give up what they have. Oddly, the the NFL started that right at the time. The NFL never had. Well, they did. And then they went like 20 years without huge trades. And now they're back just as baseball stopped them. It's very weird, but I think that Kim is probably like the best case scenario for whoever replaces. Unless unless, so. unless Correa somehow gets out of his twins deal. Well, so I let me say, yeah, well, they, they knew Trevor Story was injured while – Correa was still on the market and made and didn't reach out to him either. So they have no interest in Correa either. Um, even though that wouldn't be it's look, uh, Correa is obviously a risk, but if you can get him for six years, if you can get another 28 year old for six years, again, the risk is, is now so minuscule with him. Sure. Maybe, maybe his, maybe the plate does explode in his leg or whatever the concern is. Seems like it seems like if there's an issue with the plate, they can just put another plate in. But again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what the M stands for in MCL, as we established at the top of the show. But you know, for six years of Korea, I'd be willing to take that risk, absolutely. But they weren't even in on him. Um, I just I remember that think, stands though, for Minnesota. Minnesota collateral ligament, <laughs> perfect. Cruciate. Cruciate. Yeah, not collateral. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but, the, you know, the Twins are – now that the, the Twins weren't expecting to have Correa back and they ended up um, they ended up getting Nick Farmer and now they kind of have a surplus of middle, middle infield options. I don't – I'm not really interested in Nick Farmer at all. Um, but here's a name from the Twins. How about Nick Gordon? I don't know if he's – he hasn't – he hasn't played much shortstop lately, but that's where he came up as a middle infielder. Um He's 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 got the high and bloom versatility factor going. Uh, he's he definitely lived in a, Boston at some point in his life. Yeah, yeah, br- exactly. Bring bring a bring the son of a Red Sox legend back home. Um, two seventy two, three sixteen, four twenty seven last year with twenty eight doubles Perfect. and nine home runs in four at bats. Um, and maybe and and you know there's another Twins name that's been on. On the rumor mill, um, a guy that I've loved for a long time, Max Kepler, who I admit I mostly love because he's German and I love international baseball. And he's and he's is this isn't the case of like a guy who was like born in Germany but then raised in New Jersey. No, he's born and raised in Germany, the son of two German ballerinas. Um, this is a guy who hit, I think he, I mean, he was hitting, he hit 36 home runs a few years ago. He had 19 home runs two years ago. He, he, he dipped for sure last year, um, but he still doesn't strike out a lot. He's – well, the, the problem is now we no longer have the obvious outfield spot for him. It, he looked like a he looked like a pretty good fit at the beginning of the offseason when we were looking for a right field candidate because he's also an excellent defensive outfielder. Um, 
Now with Yoshida penciled in at left, and I guess Verdugo sliding over to right, even though it seemed like the consensus was that he wasn't good enough to play Fenway's right field anymore, we, we maybe don't have um, the spot. Although Kepler, I, I guess I should look into this. Kepler, like I said, he's, he's known as an outstanding outfielder. Maybe he can play center. So maybe he so maybe if Kike is the shortstop replacement for Story, maybe Kepler is the Kike replacement in center field. And maybe you get Nick Gordon too. I don't know. Jaron Duran, do you like freshwater fishing? <laughs> I think he does, actually. I think I think I know something about Jaron. I think I read something about Jaron Duran is fishing before. There we go. Um we are gonna do a draft, guys. Yeah. But first, we're going to have an ad break. Will there be ads? We don't know because they haven't been playing. We are going to toss it to them, though. And if not, should we just do our own ad read for me undies just in case? I'd really rather not. Okay. We'll be back in a second. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. If you heard ads, if you did not hear ads, I'm sorry. If you heard ads, I'm also sorry. It is time for a draft. You thought we were going to come back cheery, bright-eyed in 2023? False. False. We are not going to do that. No, 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 we no, are... no. Wait a minute. You, you, hold on. You're, mis- you're mischaracterizing what this is going to be. <laughs> Intentionally. Go ahead. You, you t- is your idea. You go for it. You're mischaracterizing what this is going to be. This is supposed to be. What's the first be... word? What's the first word? Negative, but the, a negative visualization is supposed to be <laughs> a method to help you improve and control your mental health, Brian. What it? How, how, what do you? How much do you know about Greek philosophy? <laughs> I asked that question. Let me clarify. I don't know much about Greek philosophy either. I, th- I took one survey course like 15 years ago about it, and that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge. It's all something um, to me. I can't remember the word. Yeah. So negative visualization is it's an ancient practice. A couple of different Greek, you know, philosophy schools practiced it. And and the idea is that it helps you emotionally regulate yourself and keep yourself happy, even in the downtimes. And I got to say, I mean, this offseason has been more of an emotional roller coaster than any offseason I've ever experienced. Obviously, you know, I mean, we talked about it when we started this. Six days ago, we were so happy. Six days later, we are so depressed. Um, but the worst was obviously the, the day that, that, that 
Xander signed with the Padres. Remember, let's all remember how that day started. The Red Sox signed Yoshida. Red Sox signed Jansen that day. Twitter was filled with rumors that the Sox and Xander were close to a deal. Um, Sean McAdam was reporting was reporting that that Red Sox front office officials were telling him in the lobby of the hotel that a deal was going to get done that night. And then we woke up and found that Xander was a San Diego Padre. So it was a lot of emotional whiplash and it's, it's been hard. <laughs> so I want to do this negative visualization. Like I said, an ancient Greek practice It's designed to help you regulate your emotions and stay happy because what you do is you basically take time to imagine and visualize and contemplate something really bad happening. And the effect of that, so if you want to say like, you know, you imagine losing your job or you imagine not getting a job you're applying for or whatever, the effect of that is two things. One, if the bad thing doesn't happen, if you don't end up losing your job, then you all of a sudden have reframed your mind and you have a new appreciation for the state of things as they are. And two, on the other hand, if you do end up losing your job, you've already mentally put yourself in that position. You're better prepared to handle it and find silver linings and find ways to move on. All right. So that, that, this is not a negative thing. <laughs> Our negative visualization draft, Brian, this is, this is, this is about happiness. This is about, this is about mental health. That's what we are. We're the mental health Red Sox podcast, Brian. What do you think I've been doing since early 2020 with respect to the Red Sox? 2021 was the only thing that threw me because it didn't hit the negative visualization perfectly, but everything else pretty much has. Until the Devers signing. So, so weren't you, don't you think you were probably happier about the Devers signing than you would have been otherwise if you hadn't been so negative? If you were expecting the Devers signing and then he signs, you're like, okay, great. But if you had if you had practiced negative visualization ahead of time, and if you had expected Devers to be traded for three low A prospects or not traded at all and just walked, and then he signs, you're happier. Did it work? Are you happier, Brian? I felt nothing. I felt really no, that's not true. I felt a measure of relief that I did not feel like I was fucking losing my mind because they made a move that was identifiably and I'll give Bloom this it did clarify as we said the vision of them planning to win over X amount of time you can argue what that amount of time is in a way that was clearly not the case when they traded Mookie and it does clarify that in whatever portion of the deal you think Devers is going to be a net asset, which is probably most of it, but early on that they're trying to compete. But anyhow, we talked about that already. Let us begin the negative visualization draft. Since I don't know what I'm talking about, you can go first. All right. Well, I'll go with, I actually didn't even write this one down, um, but it's actually what inspired it. And so it this one doesn't kind of doesn't count as negative visualization. <laughs> but since it's the reason why I got the idea and it kind of shows what it is, I'll start with it. All right. So what if, Brian Joyner, Trevor Story's arm turns into ground beef and he can't play shortstop for the 2023 Red Sox? Okay, this is this is how we would have done it last week. Um 
we would take some time to think about that and be like, oh, shit, the Red Sox have no more power in their lineup. The Red Sox have no more speed in their lineup. The Red Sox are now starting a middle infield of Kike Hernandez and Christian Arroyo. We would take some time to let that sink in to make it to, to make us feel bad about the possibility. And then hopefully it wouldn't happen. In this case, it did happen. But if you had practiced that negative visualization ahead of time, then you would have seen a possible silver lining. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a silver lining here, Brian Joyner. Christian Arroyo. I am a Christian Arroyo fanboy, perhaps irrationally so, and I admit to that. But I don't think people understand just how insanely unlucky he has been in his baseball career. And I don't think people understand how in a slightly different universe, Christian Arroyo could already be, you know, a not a superstar, but a borderline all-star type player. He, I mean, this guy, this this was a guy who was a first-round draft pick. He was named the high school player of the year by the Florida Dairy Farmers. I don't know how effective, how good they are projecting baseball prospects, but hey, Florida, it's a baseball hotbed. Um, he tore through the minor leagues, absolutely tore through the minor leagues. At one point was the San Francisco Giants' number two prospect. Got his first hit off Clayton Kershaw in his first game as a pro. Got his first home run the very next day and, you know, looks looked like he was heading to start him. Now, he was initially only up with the Giants to replace Hunter Pence. So when Hunter Pence came back, they sent him back down. Um, but he was likely to come back up with the Giants at some point over the next year and, and blossom into a full-time everyday player with them. And said he immediately got hit in the hand when he was sent back down to the minor leagues. Um, that the so he was actually hit in the hand twice. The first time he hit in the hand, he was fine. He only missed two weeks. He missed two weeks. He came back. He was hit in the hand in his first game back as a minor leaguer then. And that broke his hand. He missed the entire year. That offseason, he headlined the Evan Longoria deal between the Rays and the Giants, was sent to the Rays. Um, and he again, the very next season, his first year with the Rays made three trips to the IL, and his season was ended when he was hit by a pitch in the head this time. 2019, he comes back. He's absolutely tearing up the minor leagues. Um, He's called up to the Rays. He homers in back-to-back games in his first week back with the Rays, and then he strains his forearm flexor and is out for the rest of the year. 2020, he ends up with the Indians. Terry Francona is talking about how excited he is, how he has a place in the team. Global pandemic happens. And then he ends up being put on waivers and finds his way to the Red Sox. So like this guy is still someone who is a talent. He's got a pedigree. Um, I wrote an article about him uh, back in August after he, I mean, he had an outstanding game against the Braves at Fenway Park late in the season where he was by far the best player in the field. He single-handedly carried the Sox that night. And I wrote an article about him saying that, like, I do think one 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 year things are going to click for Christian Arroyo, and he's going to find himself healthy. He's going to find himself with playing time, and he is going to finish that season as as one of the quote unquote surprises of the year. He's going to put together a solid year. He's going to be mentioned as a possible All Star in July. He's going to end up with four or five wins, and people are going to say, "Wow, this came out of nowhere." Um, so I think it's possible, Brian Joyner that that year could be right now. Christian Royal could save the 2023 Boston Red Sox. I love it. I love him. You know what this sounds like? It sounds like Christian Vazquez's 
not the pedigree, but the career arc that you're suggesting sounds mm. pretty much exactly like Christian Vasquez's. And right, I see and it. He blew out his arm, which was supposed to be his calling card. Right. But then he put together some really good stretches, all-star worthy stretches uh, because he was healthy and he got the chance. And I love that, uh, love that one to kick us off. For right, me, the rest, will, the rest will do real ones, though, not bad things that have already happened. <laughs> bad things that may happen in the future. Okay. Where do I want to go with this? What if Yoshida just can't be an everyday player? Mm. It's possible. It's, it's definitely possible. possible. It's a complete unknown to us at this point. I think it's unlikely. And in fact, the, the steamer projections came out for him yesterday and they were really, really bullish on him. I have no idea what steamer's track record is predicting Japanese position players, but they're pretty bullish. Yeah, I, I think you could actually extend this to anyone in the outfield. But I think that what you were saying about, I mean, Kepler would be ideal. We want him! If Kepler could, a, any sort of outfielder, I think this is how the Red Sox build things. Is <laughs> I think there's a lot of neg negative visualization from High and Bloom's perspective because it does seem like the, the tenuousness of the outfield could lead them to grab someone now. Yeah. In case, I don't, I mean, I think the team believes, I mean, I think the team plainly believes in Yoshida. They put their money where yeah. their mouths were. And I mean, it would be a disaster. <laughs> if, if he can't, if he can't hit, we are looking at a lineup of Devers and nothing. He'll get on base. I'm, I'm not worried about that, but I, well, I disagree with you because I still believe in Justin Turner. You believe in Justin Turner, right? Yeah. Sure do, buddy. Yeah. And, and, and you know, hey, Casas is still there. Who knows what we get from him. But I think part of, and this will come up a lot in this exercise, I think, I do think, if anything, the Red Sox overly <laughs> practice negative visualization, which is part of the largely bargain shopping ethos insofar as that, well, if we don't pay full value, what's the worst that could happen? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Well, I guess, you know, to, like you said, if if he can't hit and if it seems like we're left with a powerless, dumpless lineup, then we have room for Max Kepler, after all. <laughs> but and I don't think... In, like... I think they need to... I think and this is the point of the exercise, I think they would need to act on that now because someone is going to, if they're truly trying to compete, because if they're not, who cares? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be more complicated and probably more expensive in the middle of the season for yeah. probably a lesser player. So I think that this exercise has been helpful in leading me to believe that they might need to upgrade. Oddly, somewhat in response to the story injury in the outfield. Uh, well, let me piggyback right off that with my next, with my next one, because my Number next two one is 
What if Jaron Duran is the opening day center fielder? <laughs> Which seemed absolutely impossible three months ago and is now uh, maybe close to 50-50. What if Jaron Duran is the opening day center fielder on this team? Because Kike Hernandez has to move to short and play next to Christian Royal. And there's no other outfield depth. I have one silver lining. You want to hear it? Yes. <laughs> you seem so depressed. You need a silver lining. <laughs> All right. So what if Jaron Duran, who's outfield instincts and positioning are so bad what if he accidentally wanders to the infield and on the very next pitch turns a double play and everyone goes oh right this guy was an infielder his entire life why did we even try to change him to an outfielder in the first place and jaron duran finds a home in the infield and recovers his sense of self on the diamond takes advantage of the new base running rules and actually flourishes flourishes as an infielder. What if? I, I know it's easy and occasionally fun to needle Jaron Duran, but I still think there's a player in there. Yeah. It's especially given the time he came up, 2020. Look, some guys are just so good, it doesn't matter, but some guys need a long time. Longer than we'd like. To He's older than Raphael Devers. <laughs> That's fine, but Raphael Devers is a anymore. superstar player. He's yeah. not. Raphael Devers was called up when he was what twenty. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's a superstar player. After nine Jer- games in AAA, Jaron Duran is not going to be that, but no. he could be someone to win three years is a perfectly acceptable, like, aggregate Verdugo type, you know? I do wonder if they've, I mean, I know I said this jokingly, but I do wonder if they've talked about, if they've at least thought about moving him back to the infield. Because he, when he was drafted, you know, if you look back at the scouting reports, and who knows exactly how reliable these are, scouting a player from Long Beach State four or five years ago at this point, it, it, he wasn't considered a bad infielder. The, the The idea was just that his athleticism and speed is wasted in the infield. That's why they moved him. And they moved him as soon as they drafted him. And they just said, no, you're going to be more valuable as in center field. Um, but he wasn't thought of as a bad infielder. And so if if it's possible that he can get to a place where he's just fine in the infield – Maybe they should give it a shot. Is there any precedent? Him... Is there any precedent for someone the Red Sox drafted at second base, then moved to the outfield, but then <laughs> had to move back and play second base for whatever we team they were need on? To, we don't need to go into that right now. We but I do no. But in, but in fairness, I think that it's possible that the Red Sox success yeah. with Mookie was like, well, let's just try it again. Well, but but it's it's a totally. I mean, you're right, but it's a little bit with Mookie. They didn't move Mookie into the outfield until he was until he was in AAA, until he was with Pawtucket, because at that point they were saying we need to get this guy in the field, and Pedroia was still there. So yeah. moving Mookie to the outfield was just a way to get him on the field. That's what Jaron Duran needs right now. Jaron Duran needs a place where he can play 
without worrying about looking so stupid out there that he ends up arguing in, with fans in Kansas City. Like, I don't see him ever really getting comfortable with center field right now, but who knows? Maybe he's still got that infielder's glove and, and, you know, maybe they can tell him to not worry about playing in Boston for a little bit. You're going to take the pressure off. You're going to spend the spring doing infield drills. You're going to go to Worcester. You know, you're just going to get your infield mojo back and we'll see. We'll see what happens. I also think that he's just prime trade candidate if anyone wants him. He's got no value right now. I mean, they can't, they can't you say him. that you say that, but teams that are not looking to win, right? Like Jaron Duran, Kansas city Royal, even despite what you just said, yeah, that's like their prototypical player. I mean, it's just, that's true. And the, you know what? The Royals also have a little bit of a middle infield log in too, right now. Um, people have talked about Mondesi, obviously, as a potential trade candidate. With you know, Bobby Witt Jr. has the shortstop position locked up there, and they've got a couple other middle infielders he's blocking. So, yeah, that, no, that let's just trade for Bobby Witt Jr. I'm sure they'd be happy. <laughs> sure, yeah. I'm sure they would. Guy All right, my what's next? Baseball league was at a Christmas party with Bobby Witt Jr. Oh yeah, any good stories? He said he was a very nice guy. Oh, that's nice to hear. Well, let's just talk about the obvious one. What if it happens again in spring training for for our boy, Chris Sale? All right. Can I read you what I had for Chris Sale? I had, what if Chris Sale accidentally leaves the house not wearing a suit made of entirely bubble wrap and an acorn drops on his head, resulting in a skull fracture because his skeletal structure is made up of popsicle sticks and milk cartons glued together by a first grader. So, yes, that. What is a real possibility? I mean, I think it's obvious that they just, uh, despite what we said about Hauk and just everyone who's a potential. I mean, again, I feel like the rest, the the rotation insofar as it exists is built to accommodate this possibility because they've had to for two years. So I guess the bigger question... The, the, the question that muddles all of this is, are they actually trying to win? Because if not, it's actually not a big problem. Yeah. But you, I mean, believe, if, look, if, if, you believe in sale. I do believe in sale. I do. Look, for all of his injuries, none of, none of his injuries last year were pitching related. Not one of them. Not one of them. And so the result is we actually have a guy now who's now two years removed from really having thrown competitive pitches consistently. Um, Tommy John has a pretty good track record, at least in the, certainly in the first few years. I mean, it, usually, in fact, we've actually skipped the hard part of Tommy John. Usually what happens when a pitcher first comes back from Tommy John, they have the stuff, but they don't have command. That's what they always say, right? Like it takes them a few months, if not a whole season to get their command back. We've skipped that part with Chris Sale because at this point, the Tommy John was two years ago. And hopefully he worked that stuff out when he was rehabbing last year. We saw him come back. He was outstanding against the Rays in his one single complete start last year. He was outstanding. His arm is rested. And frankly, prior to the Tommy John, Chris Hill was not that injury prone. He has always had that reputation because of the way he looks. Everyone just assumes he's going to get hurt all the time. But he actually made relatively few trips to the DL um, in his career prior to Tommy John. And he never went for more than 14 days, I believe. 
Um, now he did always wear down as the season went on, and that and that was part of the reason why he got that reputation. He always wore down towards the end of the season, but he never really did get hurt until two years ago. So I believe that we are going to have one or two more years of, you know, look, is, is he going to start thirty games? No, but I think I think we can get twenty plus starts out of him, and I think those are going to be twenty plus All Star caliber starts. So I'm a Chris Sale believer. I am, and See, if he I'm does. Not- I'm not for the sort of for the same reason you say, because you know what, the way you described him remind me exactly of another pitcher for almost the exact same reasons is Bumgarner who people Mm. said for a long time, this guy's going to throw so many sliders, arms going to fall off. Aren't these just, and then it just didn't happen for a long time. I mean, he was the horsiest horse there was. (laughs) Right. And then it did happen. He played a couple half seasons, but now, I yeah, that's that's fair, but he, but I I have to say that it's more fair to your point, given that he's still going. I think he's that still going, and 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 he and wasn't sales better last year. That was that's what I was gonna say. Like Bumgarner, Bumgarner was bad last year, but you know Bumgarner for as for as famous as he's been in his career, thanks to his World Series heroics. I mean, he's not in Chris Sale's class. He's not even close. Not no, even he's not. But the Red Jones. Sox, I think, would take. Any, they would take the inning. I think they want the innings. I truly yeah. do. They have Chris Sale. It would be great if he would be Chris Sale. And he sort of can't not be Chris Sale over a long period yeah. of time because a sign that Chris Sale is hurt is he's not pitching like Chris Sale. Yeah. Um, well, at the very least, but, you know, I guess the silver, like they have, they do, they do have hopefully pitching depth this year. Um, now that almost entirely depends on Bale and Whitlock's performance, but right, you know, as, as it stands today, Nick Pavetta is not even in the starting rotation. Uh, we never mentioned his name as a possible trade candidate, but we probably should. But if they don't trade Nick Pavetta, then that's what happens. If Chris Sale goes down, then Nick Pavetta steps in and you know, he's not getting hurt. And you also know that, you know, he, there'll, there'll be a couple of stretches next season where Nick Pavetta will be excellent. He won't be excellent over the course of a season, but, you know, he 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 put together a couple of months of sub three or he had at least one sub three ERA month last year, um, and can do it again. So there's your silver lining. I like that. Pavetta gets his it, shot it, again. It, well, Pavetta will get his shot again before the end of April. It's just the way it's things. Probably, it's probably true. Yeah. All right, let's let's cut this to a three round draft. You go next. I'll go, and then we'll wrap it up. All right, that sounds good. Okay. Um, all right, so my last one. What if Rafael Devers comes to camp 20 pounds heavier, swings and misses at a pitch in the first week of the season, and breaks his belt? Now, I think that Rafael Devers will benefit from a generation of, let's say, big boys. uh, Maybe not even incredibly recently, but I think that sports science has evolved to the point where Devers can stay on top of his weight. Well, that's what we said about the person I was referring to with the belt breaking <laughs> joke. Look, Every offseason was Pablo Sandoval has hired a new trainer. Pablo Sandoval is a personal chef. But he was overweight pretty much from the moment he started playing, but like legit overweight. True. true. And then it just got worse. Whereas Devers, I think. Also, this is another thing of this is almost exactly like comparing Bumgarner and Sale to compare 
Sandoval endeavors. The talent level is just different. Sandoval, for all the crap he got from Boston, was a really fun player, fun baseball player. Was, yeah. He's the panda. I mean, come on. But I am not – I think that, again, with the negative visualization – the Red Sox are fully aware of Rafael Devers' size, and I think that they have calculated this into their projections. I agree. I agree. And I also think um, I think Rafael Devers really, really wants to be one of the best hitters in baseball. I mean, look, you can say that about every major leaguer, right? They obviously all have that drive. But, like, you see, you see the way he was – at the all-star game last year, like he, I, I, he, he wants to be looked at as sort of in the Juan Soto, Manny Machado circle. I think, um, I think he really has that drive. He wants to be that guy. Um, and so I, I do think, I do think he will stay in shape and, and he, he, he might even be the type of guy who, as he ages, just, you know, sort of, gets healthier and healthier and, and matures and, and his, you know, and his, his body gets better and better. Um, so I am not really worried about that. Although I will say, even if it does happen, my silver lining was, Hey, we say that's fine because he's still super young and super talented and there's plenty of time to get his body under control. And that's why it's good to sign young homegrown stars whenever you can. Yeah. I think you're right about him wanting to be a star on that level. I mean, look, he was sitting courtside at Celtics game uh, mm-hmm. last night. He's wearing a Paul Pierce jacket. I mean, that's not an accident. The, the guy yeah. is all you know in. what he's doing. Yeah. I My last one is one I, I don't even think is going to happen, but, and, and honestly, the stakes are actually not that high, but what if Marcel Meyer just doesn't pan out? It, it happens all the time. That's the thing. It, it really, really does. Um, it's not like a football fourth overall pick. It's you know, it's just not the same. Yeah, yeah. However, it would be I, very yeah. dis- He would. The, would the, the thing is, he would have to. It would have to happen quickly because he will have trade value if he does anything in the minor leagues. Because people are just you know, it's it's a hype factory. Yeah, but he is. Yeah. He seems to be quite gifted he does i i wouldn't i don't think marcelo meyer i don't think has a chance of being a bust to me but i do think there's a chance that he's dansby swanson you know dansby swanson was the first overall pick he i mean he was he was viewed as a future superstar too and he had a fine year last year but other than last year he's basically just been you know a good player to have on your team um, so I think that's just, more likely than Marcelo Meyer just not figuring it out at all. I think it's more likely that what if he doesn't become a star? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that in baseball, whether, I mean, Meyer wasn't the number one overall pick, but he obviously could have been. And he should have been. Right. But in baseball, it's the only sport where if you take the number one overall pick and he turns out to be Dansby Swanson, you're like, you know what? Cool. Yeah, hey, great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We got to win there. Yeah. So that's why I, even though I came up with it, I think that the downside is fairly capped. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
because that I think the the entire draft, well, people can blow smoke. The baseball draft, unlike the other major drafts, is a giant exercise in negative visualization because yeah. almost none of these guys are going to make it. And the yeah. guys that and do, I will say this for that you know the top of the prospect list right now for the Sox is filled with middle infielders. Um, so if 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 you know Marcelo Meyer doesn't make it, chances are one of these guys will. None of them have his ceiling, but. Between Rafaela, between Nick York, between Meyer's best buddy that they drafted last year, um, a lot of mid, a lot of middle infield talent right now in the system. Well, that's a good sign because I found that, I mean, this is obvious. The lower level of baseball, the better chance that your best players are playing up the middle, shortstop, yeah. you know, specifically, yeah. and then they move as they go through the system because there's a better player and they're so good at baseball that they can. Anyhow, that's enough positivity for right now. Dan, why don't you ask do we me have a do we have a mortal enemy of the week, Brian Joyner? We do. And that mortal enemy is Father Time. Because uh, was it your birthday on, this week? On Sunday, I become Pedro Martinez in terms of age. Your birthday is Sunday? My wife's birthday is Sunday. That's what's up. And you know who else's birthday is Sunday? I know you're going to say Martin Luther King. I was going to say Shane McMahon. Also Also a very terrible radio personality who I'm not going to mention by name. And I hate it. But ennui, baby. Ennui. It goes from... You feeling bad about 45? No, it's just... Every year, it's the hardest time of year anyway, and then you get mm. Christmas, and then a week later, New Year's, and then two weeks later, birthday. They're all lined up. And especially first year as a divorced dad, it's been a lot of fun. But <laughs> I do. You know, you're right about this being the worst time of the year. Um, I remember, because January 15th is a meaningful date for me because my wife's birthday, I remember that there was a, I mean, take this with many lumps of salt, but like a, a British travel agency and they were doing this as a promotional thing. They like hired some people to figure out the most depressing day of the year. And I think they, I think they decided it was January 15th because they put together a formula of, you know, like the amount of daylight and the average temperature. And then they factored in things like holidays and the post holiday blues. And they determined that January 15th is mathematically, scientifically the most depressing day of the year. Their well, whole I'm, point was to say, go on vacation on January 15th. So you can do I'm that. I'm totally exonerated for my negativity. Totally <laughs> exonerated. I didn't do nothing. My parents yeah. fault. Yeah, for what it's All worth, right. I do think uh, I think it's the weather's. I, I think it's going to be mild. I think this weekend. I so, would kill you know. for some snow, <laughs> man. I would kill for. Some I am snow. look. I am looking out on on snow falling on the streets of uh, the streets of suburban Boston as we speak right now. It's not. It's not sticking much, but nice big flakes. It's atmospheric snow. Yeah, that's not what we have down here in the uh, New York area. Dan, do you have any recommendations before we bust out of here? I I do have a recommendation that I came up with as I sat down and looked out at the window at the snow. Um, my recommendation, so it is the middle of winter. It can be a very depressing time, as we've talked about. 
So I'll make this a personal recommendation for you, Joiner. Go find a little pub with a fireplace and go and sit by yourself with a beer next to a fire. It's the it's the absolute best way to spend a winter afternoon, a dark, dreary, gray winter afternoon. There are fewer and fewer fireplace bars out there, and most of them are gas, which is kind of lame. Um, but if you can and find and one, apparently, wood, and apparently now there's the natural gas. Uh oh, Dan. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, I saw, yeah. No, Biden's already said that's not going to happen. Let's not do. Let's not be a fake news podcast. Um, but yeah, that that is my recommendation. It's it's there's no better way to spend a, a gray January afternoon than than at a bar with a fireplace. So go find one. If you're in Boston, local 149 in Southie, that's your best bet. Um, they got a nice fireplace with some big leather chairs right next to it. Uh, you're the only one I, I can remember in New York off the top of my head. I'm not. I don't think he's there anymore. But Angry Wade's on Smith Street in Brooklyn used to have a wonderful fireplace. That's probably not there anymore. But when I went to Angry, Angry, I lived right by Smith Street, like two blocks. Did you really? Yeah. Were we neighbors to... at one point? Uh, probably. I lived on. You know what? Then nobody cares about that. But I do know a bunch of. I places think people do care. I think we should pivot to being a podcast about um, Cobble Hill. Let's just yeah. discuss. Let's just discuss the bars, the farmers markets of Brooklyn. I think people would really from like, like twelve years ago. From 12 years ago, precisely. Yeah. There was a Mexican restaurant at the top of Smith Street that had a great fireplace. Um, mm. And that's one I remember too. But anyhow, that's a great recommendation. My recommendation, because I'm trying to eat healthier, broccoli. Mm. Eat it. <laughs> How do Just, you cook broccoli though? Because I so actually think... So this is boil- how I do it. It's cheating. This is cheating because it makes it taste good. Oil... Salt, mm-hmm. pepper, mix it all up, pour crushed red pepper. I would just, I actually stole this from my ex wife, this recommendation. I actually just asked her recently and she sent it to me. Put Parmesan cheese on top yes. in the oven, 12 we'll minutes, I lemon. think 325. Yeah, lemon never hurts. Turn them over, uh, 10 more minutes, boom, it's crispy, it's delicious. It's not particularly good for you, but it's not bad for you. I actually, a friend of mine who's a chef said the three things you put on anything that tastes good. I might have said this on the podcast before. Salt, lemon juice, butter. Hmm. Well, just do olive oil instead oh, of butter. Right. That's, that's what I did. Then, then, then you got the Mediterranean the diet thing going yeah. and you live that's, longer. That's what I do. So yeah. broccoli. That's my recommendation. Garlic. I forgot to mention shards of garlic in there with the, with the oil and the broccoli too. If you're not putting garlic in all your Don't food, mince it. Doing? Don't mince it. Thinly sliced. That's the way to do it. Goodfellas style. Uh, they say it liquefies in the pan in Goodfellas, but people tried that. It doesn't actually work. It's just, it oh, sounds okay. awesome. Yeah. yeah. You can't, well, don't um, take your cooking lessons from mobster movies. Or Red Sox podcasts. <laughs> I don't know. I think we have a better track record than, I mean, there's Polly's uh, recommendation in The Godfather where he just does a sauce recipe in like 10 seconds. You put your meatball in, then your tomatoes, then your If it's that easy, everyone would do it. Come on, Polly. Kind of is. Clemenza. Sorry, not Polly. Clemenza. That's what I'm I talking wasn't, about. I wasn't. I wasn't. Because Polly makes sauce yeah. good, fellas. All right. Enough about that. Enough about Brooklyn. Enough about positive exercises. That is it for this week's Over the Monster podcast. Again, I am Brian Joyner. You can find me on Twitter 
Brian Joyner, Brian with a Y, Joyner with an I. That is Dan Secatore. Dan at Dan Secatore. So that's his handle. We will that's be back it. as events warrant and to keep up with the exhausting pod on Lansdowne guys. Yeah, those guys got to slow down. Who are making us work for our money. Dan, always a pleasure. All right, take care. You too.